closing out, do you realize that we're closing out the first month of 2022, right? Uh, the older I get, the faster those days seem to come. Uh, but, but hopefully and prayerfully, we're still growing strong uh, in, in resolutions that, that really matter. And so, so as a church community, we've kind of come in and we've said, okay, uh, let's, let's try to focus on some practices that need to be in our lives, regardless of where you fall in, in your relationship with Jesus, right? If, if you are found in Christ, whether that be for the last five minutes, the last five months, the last five years, the last 50 years, here are some growth and here are some practices that we are consistently trying to pursue. And, and so, so really, we, we've tried to set it up by, by asking this question, if you need a fresh start, then, or, I'm sorry, if you need a fresh start, then let's begin by focusing and let's begin by putting these four practices into action. And, and I think in its, really in its most simplistic form, what we're hoping to do is, is we want to bring in some encouragement to, to get in the Word, uh, to get on your face in prayer, uh, to get off the bench uh, in service, and, and then that we would be pursuing the adventures of life with God. Right? And so, 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 so we've tried along the way to kind of sprinkle in this truth that, that in order for these practices to mean something to us, in order for these practices to be meaningful in our lives, we must be both consistent and intentional, right? Uh, and and so, so rarely will we stumble into the type of growth that we hope to see. It, it takes developing disciplines that... Uh, that, that make you grow really more, more available. And very much like uh, developing a healthy body, right? Uh, we, it turns out you can't just wish that. Uh, you, have to, you have to go to the gym, you have to decide to eat healthy, right? Except for M&M's, because everybody knows peanut M&M's, calorie-free, um, because they're the Lord's food, right? Um, and so, so you, you have to decide not to be lazy, and, and you have to put disciplines into practice, and then you have to trust the process. And when we talk about life with God, it's very much the same. You, we have to make these determinations, and then we trust the process as He helps grow our, our faith. And, and so, so where we go this morning is in part kind of the, the culmination of these past three weeks where we talked about the Word of God, we talked about prayer, we talked about service. So in some ways, this is kind of the culmination of that, but at the same time, it can be understood as a practice in and of itself. We're going, to, we're going to talk about the role, uh, or we're going to talk about putting worship into practice as we pursue growth in our faith. Now, uh, that, can, that word worship uh, can be a difficult one to describe, right? Uh, in fact, uh, because it, it can be experienced kind of at an emotional level, while at the same time we can use this same word to describe like a destination or or an action, and um, and for me, it, it, it's like um, rarely are many of you here this early in the mornings. But when we do, when we're practicing and setting up for for worship, uh, there there are times Chris will look at Jeremy uh, and he will he will try to describe the sound that he wants. And and to a person other than Jeremy, it sounds like insanity. I swear to you, it's kind of like he's like, hey man, what I want is it's, it's like a sheet that's that's flapping outside on the line on a uh, on a spring day, but then the uh, color purple meets the number five. Uh, and then Jeremy's like, oh, you mean like this? And he's like, exactly. And we're all left like, what in the world just 
happen? What, what language are these guys speaking? And so, so when, when I say that we're going to talk about worship, I, my fear and the difficulty of it is trying to describe a word that, that really, honestly, in many respects, is, is indescribable. Uh, but, but we know when we are engaged, and we know when we are far from it. And, and so, so in hopes to, uh, to kind of speak clearly and to speak concisely today, uh, maybe for the first time ever, uh, let, let's, let's try to talk about when, when we say what worship is and what it's not, let's, let's try to define it at, at this elementary level. That, that worship is simply the response we have to what we value the most. Worship is the response we have to what we value most. That, that the type of worship that we long for around here, uh, the type of worship that is rightly placed is when we understand that nothing brings the glory of God down in the church, nothing brings greater awareness of the presence of God as, as when our hearts treasure God for who He is. Not that, that He's at the top of the priority list, but that He is at the center of, of all of our all of our being that 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 our joy is found in him that 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 our our frustrations go to him our concerns go to him the 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 anthem of our lives speak about him that worship is at center when we value and, and worship is most noticeable in the church when the people of God know that he is our greatest treasure in fact, uh, way, way back in, in time, the Westminster Catechisms came out. And it came as a result of some uh, religious people saying, hey, how can we teach matters of theology in a simple way uh, where, where dads can teach it to their children and where, where, where moms can teach it to their children? And so they came up with these, these really short uh, question and answers. And, and the first line in the Westminster Catechism uh, is, is what is the chief end of man? Like right out of the gate, they start to ask this question, why do we exist? What is the chief end of man? And, and now their, their answer is that the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. To glorify God by enjoying Him forever. That, that, that our lives don't come down to the fact that um, our, our favorite team is no longer playing football. Or if your favorite team is playing football today, congratulations, you're better than everybody else in the room, right? Our, our, our greatest achievement in life is not that, that our kids are, are pretty good at a sport or they're pretty good at uh, their grades. Our, our greatest achievement in life is not that, that we have a specific job or we, we live in a specific house. That, that The Westminster Catechism comes in and says, says that the chief end of your life is that you would glorify God by enjoying Him forever. Now, I, I like uh, John Piper. He adds a, a, an adjustment in the middle of it. And if, in his book, uh, Desiring God, he really kind of expounds on it. But he says, he says he would change the word by and replace it with the word and. So that he would, we would glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And so, so, so we glorify God by being people who worship Him rightly. And, and, and after all, we, we are designed to be worshipful people. 
that, that the struggle really presents itself in, in this conversation when, when what we value most is not truly worthy of the value that we've ascribed to it. And, and so, so, so worship is, is the most powerful thing we do, that the highest and the most powerful human experience that, that we is, is to express our adoration and our love to the most worthy object of our affection. And so, so in a sense, worship can be a response of our heart through our feelings, and then it could also be an expression of our feelings through our hands, and, and sometimes that can be a collision of both. And, and, and so, so one of the main challenges that we have is when we take our worship and we assign it to things or people who are unworthy of that amount of praise. And when we do that, we, we drift into to idolatry, which is really the root of all sin. And I think most of the time, if we're honest, almost all idolatry is kind of like a, um, it's like a mask that when you take the mask off, it reveals yourself. And it reveals your desire to make yourself your own version of a god. And so, so, so idolatry is simply just this act of, of placing anyone or anything on the throne of our hearts where really God belongs rightly. And, and so, so, so many of us struggle with responding to God properly because we know He's important, but we don't treasure Him as uppermost. Uh, in fact, uh, th- though we will claim with our lips that, that, that He is most important, uh, this leaves us uh, disenchanted, and at times it leaves us bored with Him because our view of who He is and what He does is, is obscured. And so, so it's really important. Now, this isn't like, hey, man, uh, that pastor guy said uh, God should matter more to me, even though that's true, but we're trying to talk about what is worship. And, and so since worship is the response to what we value most, we need to rightly focus our eyes and our hearts and our hands towards who should be our greatest treasure. And this is why the scene in John 4 is, is really helpful to us because Jesus is going ex- to plainly explain to us uh, what the type of worship God the Father is seeking from his creation. But, but this is going to be revealed on the hills of dealing with, with some barriers that get in the way of, of pure worship. And it kind of just unfolds as we start from the top of that story to the end. And so, so John 4 is really just a scene with Jesus, a woman, and a well. Right? And, and so, so there, there are two things that I, two things I really want to know. That, that when it comes to Jesus speaking to a woman from Samaria, uh, you need to know at the time, Jewish culture, they don't like Samaritans. Uh, in fact, they considered Samaritans half-breeds, uh, and they, they would regard them lower than they would a dog. Okay? Now, the second thing is this scene is unfolding around noon, uh, around lunchtime, which is a pretty good indication uh, about the woman's reputation. Now, we're, we're going to find out in around verse 16 why she would possibly want to avoid the crowd who would have gathered in the morning to get the, the daily supply of water, okay? So, so this encounter kind of opens with, with Jesus sitting by a well. He sees a woman, and he says, hey, I'm thirsty. Can you give me a drink? And then she looks at him and says, uh, you know, uh, who are you that you're talking to me? And, and then Jesus, the way that he just beautifully does, 
He's like, man, if, if you knew who I was, you'd be asking me for a drink. To which she says, bro, you don't even have anything to get water with. And then he talks about everyone who drinks this water, they will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I provide, will, will, um, their thirst will be quenched. They will, uh, they will never be thirsty again. And so what we see in verses 7 through, through 15 is this issue that Jesus brings to the table of seeking satisfaction from the wrong wells. That, that, that Jesus says that there is a well where you will never thirst again, but it's not this one. It's not this one. This one will leave you thirsty again and again, and you'll keep coming back to it for satisfaction, but that satisfaction will always be short-lived. And, and so, so seeking water from the wrong well can come to us in the form of, of really many places, right? Uh, we, can, we can seek the, the well of money. We can seek the well of comfort. We can seek the well of, of relationships, success, and that's just that's just to name a few, right? Uh, we could, we could kind of go around the room and say, hey, let's talk about how empty some of these wells are, even though we're like, hold on, I'm going to take a sip from it again. So what Jesus does here is helpful because he exposes it, and he says, if, if this is what you value most, then you'll be coming back here over and over and over again since it cannot give you what you ultimately want. And eventually, you, you, may, you may travel, and you may seek a different well, but, but if it's not from me, then you'll, you'll never be satisfied. And in verse 15, Jesus asked her to give, asked Jesus to give her the water that he's talking about, and she says something very specific. I hope, I hope you can note it and see it in your Bible. She says, so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Now, I think we, could, we can think of this as a matter of convenience where, where you don't have to kind of go to the grocery store anymore and it's just, you know, you're like, I'm always full, always satisfied. But what I think is going on here is, is, is coming to the well each day was an encounter with shame and guilt. You're like, I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. I don't want to go to that place. I don't want to go to that well any longer. And we see this in verse 16 where, where Jesus instructs her. He says, go, call your husband and, and come here. And then the woman says, I don't, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you spoke rightly because he knew. He says, he says, you've had five and the one you're living with now, he's not your husband. And, and I think in, in regards to barriers of worship, this is simply, it's unconfessed sin. It's, it's just living in a sinful situation without any desire to, for repentance. And, and so, so the woman has, has withdrawn. This is what happens. The women would gather in the morning, early morning, get their, their supply of water. She withdrew from community because of what I believe is guilt and shame. And she says it's just easier to show up at noon when nobody would be around. And so, so because of the decisions that she's made in her life, She's withdrawn, and she thought she could hide from the world. She thought she could hide from God. But here's what we see here. He's coming after her heart. And I want you to note what's happening. He comes after her heart not to crush it, but to liberate it. 
but to talk to her about, about what the love of God is. She, she could be a person, and here's the hard part. It's really difficult to try to figure out what her thing is. It's really easy to find our thing, right? Like, like she, could just be, she could be a person who's in love with being in love. Right? She could, um, she could be a person who's seeking for, for comfort, security. She might, she might have identity issues of like, I don't know who I am if I'm not uh, attached in a relationship with a guy. Uh, I, either way, it's an empty well and it's a barrier in her life to the fact that she believes it has identified her. And so, so Jesus reveals something about her. And then in verse 19, she, she responds by saying, I, I, hey, I, I don't think you're a stranger. <laughs> I think you know something. I think you're a prophet. To which Jesus reveals this, this third barrier in worship in that, in that her ignorance is affecting her from seeing Jesus and the love of God properly. It's just ignorance. And I think the issue on the table here was, was her confusion of the location of where worship would take place. Does, does worship take place um, on, on this mountain or does it take place in that temple? And, and we're going to get to what Jesus says in a second. But, but before we get really snooty with the ignorance of this Samaritan woman, let's, let's admit for a second how easy it is for ignorance to stunt our worship. Right? And so, so ignorance is it's not just the lack of knowledge, it's misapplied knowledge. And so, so here we are, our temptation, I think, in this age is to create a God who is in our own image or, or at least create a Savior who fits our version of what we've decided we need the most. Matt Chandler puts it this way. He says, we feel that Jesus needs better PR Something along the lines of an extreme makeover. We need, we need to make Jesus friendlier, a bit wider, uh, give him a happier disposition. Uh, he's not going to flip tables over anymore. He's not going to come back with a tattoo on his thigh, as Revelations 19 will put it. Wielding a sword, filling the streets with blood. People don't want that kind of stuff. Maybe in their movies, but not in their maker. For many, Jesus is more like a masculine tinkerbell sprinkling pixie dust of love on everyone he meets. And after all, who doesn't feel safe with tinkerbell? So the problem, however, is that if we strip Jesus of his deity, we also strip him of his authority and we strip him of his power. And if we change our perception of who he actually is, we cannot be free to worship him genuinely. So the underlying motivation in creating a God other than the one we see in Scripture always boils down to the same wishful falsehood. I'm not as bad as the Bible says I am. Besides, God would never really judge anyone because that would be wrong. And sorry, that's just not the gospel. Worship always suffers when man is exalted and God is belittled. So if your church doesn't understand the nature of their sinful condition, they will be stunted in their adulation of salvation. Then he finishes. Yet here's the paradoxical reality. You are a rebellious, wicked sinner. And God loves you in Christ. In the gospel, 
These opposites go together. You retain no secrets from Him, and yet He has still pursued and saved you. And this is, this is ultimately the, the message that, that Jesus is speaking over the Samaritan woman's life. He's like, hey, I am your source of eternal uh, quench, quenching. What, what's going on there? What happened in my brain? It was not pretty. I am your source to where your thirst is satisfied forevermore. Forevermore. And so, so I, and, and I think since, since worship is the response to what we value most, it is vital we would have a proper view of what that treasure is so that it could be evaluated rightly as the source of our eternal joy of our hearts that our hearts are, are searching for. And I believe this woman, is, is, is this is the crossroads that, that Jesus is lovingly bringing the Samaritan woman to. And by extension, it's the crossroad he's bringing us to. So he says this in verse 23, But the hour is coming, and it's now here, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. Okay? If you want to look spiritual, circle those, two, those three words. In spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. So you say, what, is, what does God want from my life? This. This. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. And then the woman said to him, I I know that the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ, when he comes, he will tell us all things. And I love what what he says. He's like, hey, me. Me. Who you're waiting for is right here in front of you. And I, I encourage you this week, just kind of finish out the next four or five verses, because it's really, it's this beautiful scene. But, but in short, Jesus tells her and he tells us that, that he is the well that never runs dry. He satisfies the thirst of all who are thirsty. But this is not just an offer to come and drink at a great well, but also to respond to what we experience. That's, that's the role of worship. It's a response. That God shows us something incredible in His heart for us, and then we respond with our lives. And so, so since we're talking about what pure worship should be, then let's assume, let's assume just for a moment that we're all on the same board, we're all on the same page, and we all treasure God as our greatest treasure, that He is worthy of our praise. And so we ask this question, how then do we respond to this great love? How do we do that? I think it's a great question, and I'm so thankful that God answers it. He's not a dad that leaves you guessing. He comes out and he says, this, this, this is what I'm talking about. He says, the type of worship the Father seeks is not in this location or that location, but it resides in the heart. And, and in, in the heart the worship is in spirit and truth. So, Swan, we can, we can start wrapping this up. So, so there, there are a lot of ways over the years I've heard pastors try to describe or explain what it looks like to worship in spirit and in truth. And now, some of them are really good. Some of them, not so much. Uh, some have, uh, but basically, it kind of boils down to uh, spirit kind of equals emotion and, and truth kind of equals doctrine. And, and I, don't, I don't think that's wrong. I don't. I, I just worry if it's a little incomplete 
in its application. Uh, and so, so the temptation, I think, of, of many churches, either by accident or on purpose, is to kind of rewrite the words of Jesus. And I know we would never try to do anything like that in our Bible, right? We would never try to sharpie out things so we can be like, if I don't see it, doesn't mean I have to do it. But, but a lot of churches, the temptation is to rewrite some of these words. And, and what we want to write it as is that the Father is seeking those who worship Him in spirit or truth. But, but, that's, but this is not an either or. It's a, we, we can't lean on one and, and, or lean on the other. What Jesus says is the Father is seeking people who worship Him in spirit and truth. So these two things have to exist in the same space. They're not competing against one another. And, and so I think one of the greatest explanations for what I, what I think it means to worship in spirit and in truth, um, really that I've ever heard, uh, is that we would worship God with both inflamed hearts and informed minds. Inflamed hearts and informed minds. Now let's, let's talk about that so we can put it into practice, right? This has been, kind of been our model these last couple of weeks. We talk about why this is important and now how do we, how do we put this into practice. And, and so what I mean by having, uh, as we talk about worshiping in spirit, uh, what I mean by inflamed hearts is that, is that we are set ablaze for the glory of God. That, that, that we have tasted and we have seen that He is good, that the Holy Spirit's dwelling inside us moves us, moves us into adventures of the God's size, that, that He cries out with us, He cries out for us, He has given us a taste of the eternal, and we are longing for another bite, if only it's a morsel. If only it's a morsel. It's kind of like a brownie bowl, Right? Like all the brownies are eaten, but you still, there's crumbs, and you're like, all right, I'll finish this off with no shame whatsoever. Finally, I got you. You're like, oh, I've lived there, man. So an inflamed heart is simply like the Holy Spirit lights you on fire for the glory of God, and you say, man, this is it. So, so the practical word that, that I want to attach to this, uh, inflamed hearts, is, is simply expectancy. Expectancy. Do I expect God to move in me, through me, and around me? I'll tell you a dangerous question, and a heavy question for some Did I show up here this morning expecting God to move in my heart? Did, did I show up here praying that those who are far from God would find life in Jesus? Did I show up today praying that those who are broken would find healing and restoration in Jesus? Did I expect that? Or did I show up here, sit in my seat, get kind of comfortable, and then I can leave here in a minute and be like, all right, got that done for the day. So, so 
Do I walk with Him? Do I walk with Him throughout the week expecting to see His glory put on display through my life? And if my heart is His, then do I long to be set ablaze for the glory of His name? Do I? Because it's not hard here, right? The type of worship the Father seeks is in spirit. So do I have a heart that is His? In truth. So the word, what I mean by that is we would have informed minds. And and what I mean by that is that we are set firm on the foundation of the truth of God as he lays it out in the Bible. We do that so, so when life rages against us, we can stand firm. When, when the shifting sand of our society wants to treat truth as relative, we can have confidence as to why that shifting leads to greater fault lines. You get that, right? The more the sand shifts, the more difficult it is to live on a foundation. So, so we can have confidence to stand firm as the Bible would call us to stand as believers in Jesus. So the word I want to attach to that, to have an informed mind, is, is consistency. It's consistency. Am I, am I consistently doing the lifting required to grow in a healthy way in life with God? Am I? Am I or am I a, just a person who goes to the gym once a month expecting the results to come with the discipline and the consistency of living healthy living? If, if my heart is His, then do I long to know more about what breaks His heart and what brings His heart joy? Yeah, those are hard questions, right? And I think if we evaluate our lives, if we ask God to, to reveal the fruits of our lives, those things become evident, right? We know. We know if our hearts are inflamed for the glory of God. We know if our minds are informed of the things of God. So, so we worship in spirit with inflamed hearts, with expectancy of God's movement. And then we worship in truth with informed minds, with consistency. The consistency that comes with growing with God. So what, what kind of a place, what kind of a place would this be if we were a people who place our worship properly and rightly for the one who is truly worthy of all of our worship? Because this, this is what this is this morning. Congregational worship builds off of private worship. It does. It has nothing to do with the quality of, of the guitar or the, the, the niceness of the voice. That, that worship that sets the church of God ablaze and set, puts them on mission as you go into the Father every moment of every day. And then we come here to have a party. That's what it is. And I think too often we, we, we mistake that. I don't, and I'm, I'm guilty of this. Of treating this place as a filling station. Right? 
Like that's 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 why the church. I mean, here's the thing: if we were talking about the first church and the Acts uh, church. You know, those people were meeting daily. And I said, if I said, hey, we're going to start meeting daily, a lot of you guys are like, man, we're going down the road. That ain't going to work for me, man. We got we got practice, we got work, I got Netflix, I got a whole bunch of stuff I got to do. You're crazy. We can't be meeting daily. So somewhere along the lines, we said, hey, that's not working. There's too many t-ball games going on. So, so let's just meet on Wednesday. And, and then we created this thing like, hey, man, are you, are you out of juice? Are you out of spiritual gas? Then, then show up on Wednesday, man. You can top you off. And then those days will carry you to next Sunday. And, and what we do, what we do in this, and tell me if I'm wrong, is, is we move from Sunday to a Wednesday to a Sunday, and we say, man, I'm just empty. I'm out. I'm out. I got nothing. As if God was only here on these days and these moments. We shouldn't come here empty. We come here full of the Spirit of God because He is constantly pouring into us as we pour out our lives for the glory of God. What a paradigm shift that is in our hearts. That I walk with Him. And that's not to say life doesn't get hard. That's not to say that, 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 that life isn't draining at times. But if we're coming here to say, hey man, we're just gonna we're gonna top you off for the next couple days, that's that's a that's a gross misunderstanding of the heart of the Father. You know that, right? Like, like he is just as near to you now than he will be tomorrow and Tuesday and Wednesday. Because all we want to do here on Sundays is lift the high in the name of Jesus. We want to honor God through His Word. We want to pray together. And then we want to have those first steps of entering into community with one another. That's it. It's enough rambling. I think we're good, right? We're good? Chris is like, yes, finally. I love you guys. I love, love, love you guys. And we, we said this a couple of weeks ago as we were starting that that the prayer I've been praying for us in, in this month, in the beginning of this year, that we would grow up. That we would grow deeper in life with God. And I pray that for you. Pray that for all of you. I know there's some of you here that you don't you don't know God. You don't understand the love of God, especially Jesus. And and I pray that you would be you'd be wading into those waters and you would see. Because again, our posture here is the more you see Jesus, the more you fall in love with Him. Some of you have been been kind of meandering in, in life with God, and you haven't really gone anywhere because you're too chicken to go. And my prayer is that you'd grow up. Some of you have all of your heart with them. And my prayer is that you would press deeper and deeper and deeper. Because he's the well that never runs dry. Never. And oh, that we would be a people who would taste that and see.
be that. It would change your home. It would change your neighborhood. It would change our city. I love you guys. Our desire this week is to love God. Bye. Let me pray for us. And if you need prayer this morning, we'll have some people over here. We want to pray with you. If you never ask Jesus in your heart, come find me. Come find me. I don't want to put up stuff anyways. I'll come just, I'll chat with you all afternoon. Let me tell you about the life that I have because of Jesus. Let me pray. Father, we come to you and we thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you that Jesus is the well that, that who never runs dry. So, Father, I pray that, that as, as we talk about worship being the response to what we value the most, and the response to, to what is most worthy in our, in our estimations, that, that you would give us eyes to see just the incredible riches of life with you. That you would, you would help us see with, with just, just pinpoint accuracy the love that you carry into our hearts. And then, Father, I pray that as we are tempted to go to wells that, that will not supply eternal thirst, will not satisfy us, I pray that those waters would be bitter to our tongues. I pray we would know the moment the water hits our lips, that it doesn't belong in our hearts. Father, help us grow up. Help us press in deeper. And help us know how open you are to just embracing us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You guys stand to close out tonight.